Welcome to Speak the Truth, a podcast devoted to educating, equipping, and encouraging the individuals in the local church on counseling and discipleship. I am joined today by my co-host, Michael Van Dyke. Hello, hello, hello. And Jeremy Lellick. Good morning. And a special guest and treat for us, Paul Tripp. Paul, thank you for joining us in studio today. Yeah, it's great to be with you. Awesome. Well, Paul is here at the Call to Counsel 2019 Counseling Conference to talk about suffering. And you have recently wrote this book on suffering. And so I'd love for you to just uh, chat with us about your heart behind the book and, um, and how can we be encouraged in that? Sounds good. So you want me to talk about yeah, it? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so this book is really written out of my own experience of some years of really hard suffering. I had some minor symptoms. Called my doctor. He said, go to the local hospital. We live in Center City, Philadelphia. And so there's a hospital two blocks away from us. Great research hospital. And I thought I would go there, be an outpatient, be sent home with some medication and discovered pretty quickly that I was an acute renal failure. My kidneys were dying. I didn't know it. Mm. The next 36 hours, my body went into these full body spasms, which is the most painful experience. It's horrific. I literally screamed for 36 hours Mm. and thought when I would be released from the hospital, that would be it. Uh, That started two years of suffering, six surgeries in two years lost 65% of my kidney function and realized I would never again be physically well in my life. And the thing that, that hit me during this period of time is this will probably sound more negative than I want it to, but I've never been attracted to suffering books because they seem to be either written by theologians who, would no, who have never suffered much or sufferers who are bad theologians. Mm. And I thought this was an opportunity to speak from the position of a sufferer about the experience of suffering, but looking through the lens of good gospel theology. So that, that's how the book is arranged. It's arranged in uh, the traps that are there for traps of temptation for every sufferer. Suffer, suffering is spiritual warfare. Uh, and then uh, comforts of the gospel to the sufferer. And the, the thesis of the book is that, and I'm going to talk about this today, that suffering is never neutral because you never come to suffering empty. And so you don't just suffer the thing that you're suffering, you suffer the way that you're suffering, mm-hmm. the thing that you're suffering. Mm. And we have this... Uh, ability to dark ability to trouble our own trouble. And so the the book is meant to speak into that, to give people eyes to see how uh, their, their bad theology is just making a mess out of their suffering and that what they're going through emotionally psychologically, spiritually, is not just suffering. It's, it's what they brought to their suffering that's made it even, even uh, harder. Um, the other thing that I would say that is really amazing for me is that this period of time where um, 
I'm always going to be dealing with fatigue. I'm, I'm, I'm never going to be the same person again, uh, has been by far the most productive, um, ministry time of my life. Mm. You know, a couple of weeks ago, the devotional new morning mercies was mm-hmm. still at 123 of all books on Amazon. Wow. It's crazy. Amazon sells a hundred thousand mm. books a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had 50 million people visit our social media sites last year. 50 million. I mean, I hear these things. I, I weep mm-hmm. because it's not about me and I fame is just weird. It's about the gospel, uh, reaching people. And, um, uh, it just demonstrates again that God doesn't need us to be healthy to use us. That's, that's a human way of thinking. Yeah. Uh, Everyone in this around this table hates weakness because we hate being dependent on God. Wow. We just do. That's why you hate being sick. That's why you, you uh, hate not knowing all the things that you think you ought to know. That's how all those things are the product of this deep quest to be independent. And the move of grace is not from dependency to independency. The move of grace is from independence to dependence. Mm-hmm. It's the exact opposite of what would be intuitive for us. I grew up in Christ. I'm going to be more independent. No, no, no. You grow up in Christ. You become massively dependent. Wow. Can I, I just added all the book. I, ha- I mean, I have this one area marked and it's so amazing that you went there. So can I just quote you really quick sure. uh, directly? If you have the book on suffering already, it's on page 20 where I'm reading if you want to follow along, but it says none of us would choose to be sick. None of us would choose to experience physical pain. None of us likes the prospect of being physically weak and disabled. None of us likes our lives at being put on hold. Physical suffering does force you to face the reality that your life is in the hands of another. It reminds you that you are small and dependent and whatever little bits of power and control you have can be taken away in an instant. Independence is a delusion that is quickly exposed by suffering. And I have read all of your books and Paul Tripp Ministries. If you go online, you can get all of his books on there. And we have attended your conferences. And I can tell you in reading this book, you have a transparency here um, that is just so raw and allows us and even me after reading all of your books to have gotten to know you on another level and can't imagine. I mean, you put us there with you. I mean, you have words that just put it like I I entered into that with you. Mm -hmm. And so it was just, um, thank you for being so transparent. I can't imagine that was hard. That's sweet. Uh, It, it actually isn't hard. Mm. Uh, Because if, if it's true that there's nothing that could ever be known, revealed, exposed in me that hasn't been covered by the blood of Jesus, then mm. why am I afraid of honesty? Again, we are afraid to be honest because we don't believe the gospel. Mm-hmm. This is all gospel stuff. That's, it's why, light. We, it's that's light. why we give non-answers to people. That's why we say we're okay when we're not okay. Yeah. That's why we put on fronts with, with people. Because we're, we're getting our security from someplace other than relationship with, with Jesus. And, you know, someone needs to be honest about the struggle of suffering. Uh, there were many moments where I just wanted to die. It would just, it would, it would have been easier to do that. If you have 
six surgeries in two years, you never recover from one surgery till you recover from the next. I had, a, I had a friend who wife asked him why he was depressed one day and he just had breakfast with me. He says, I don't think Paul's going to make it. He said, he just gets, every time mm. I'm with him, he's just weaker and weaker. How many surgeries can he have? And God's way is not our way. God's confusing. And mysterious. Huh? Uh, you know, was it saying, C.S. Lewis writes about Aslan. He's, he's good, but he's not safe. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's just a whole lot of theology in that. We should be able to be the most honest community on earth. No one should pick up a book and say, wow, he was really honest. The fact that we say that tells us what? Mm. Most of the time we're not. Mm-hmm. The gospel purchased that. Yeah. And most of the time we, we, we have cosmetic relationships. We wear a whole lot of makeup to disguise who we really are. That is what's happening in the church. We're wearing masks. I think often the church is one big masquerade party mm. of happy, happy people walk in the room. Uh, we put our our stage selfies on Instagram of a family that was fighting five minutes before, mm-hmm. put on our happy faces, mm-hmm. and we project lies to people about who we are. Uh, Conviction, anyone? Maybe, maybe it'd be best when someone asks you how your week was not to say, fine, how was yours? Just say, it's been a tough week. I had moments, today, moments this week where I doubted God, pray for me. That's the kind of church I want to go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to go to church where the, where the pastor in the middle of a sermon will say, I wish I could say this was easy for me, but it's, it's hard for me. Pray for your pastor. That's the gospel. And uh, we just, we're just afraid to go that because we don't trust in the nowism of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're thinking that if we actually share what we're suffering or struggling with, that someone's going to look and say, oh, you just don't have enough faith. You're not trusting in the Lord and just make it about this. Um, like I'm spiritually weak, but okay. in reality, you're like, what? I well, think you're right. Yeah. So here's what I think about that. Oh, you just, I just had a heart attack. Paul Ab- Tripp said I'm right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you're half right. <laughs> <laughs> Let me correct you. Just a little bit. Ab- <laughs> absolutely. People will say that they're going to say that all over the place. Uh, they're going to, they're going to judge you. Here's the gospel. I don't give a rip what you think about me. Mm-hmm. I couldn't care less. Mm. Wow. If you bring the gospel to me, I'm going to listen to you because I'm submissive to Christ. But your opinion about how I struggled on a certain day, I don't care. Mm. What you think of the way I dress, I don't care. What you think of my politics, I don't care. I don't care. Because I don't get my identity from your acceptance. We care too much. Mm-hmm. Why would I care about somebody who is negative about my struggle of suffering? Mm. They're judging your struggle. Well, and they haven't it, even really struggled themselves, probably. It, mm. it surely reveals more about them than it does about me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the speck in their eye, for sure. When I, when I know that my Lord will never be disgusted by anything that's going on in my life. He's not disgusted uh, 
by me on my worst, most foolish, most rebellious day. Mm. Because all of that was canceled by the person and work of Jesus. Colossians 2.14. So if I'm, if I'm, I'm getting my identity from the Lord, I know that even though this crowd of people has rejected me, the one who holds my destiny looks at me with perfect love. Yes. I mean, that, that's the only place you're ever going to find peace of heart. People fret so much about, can I say this? What if I say this? Well, what do they think about me if I say this? Can I, can I really be honest? Oh, I, I should call them back because maybe I misunderstood this conversation. Mm-hmm. What a burdensome, exhausting way of living. If you have sin to confess, confess it and then walk away. Mm. But stop fretting about that stuff. That's not having a uh, tender conscience. That's having an idolatrous heart. Fear of man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you talk about on the community project, uh, terming identity amnesia. And I love here you're saying cosmic relationships. And so about being real and not guarded. Cosmetic. Oh, cosmetic. Oh, thanks for correcting me. It is a cosmic relationship, but cosmetically horizontally. That's true about the makeup, the makeup, makeup, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you for that correction. Um, And so here we are saying, you know, if you're the one in suffering, being real and transparent in that, as you have uh, have modeled for us in this book. But let's talk about the person who is walking alongside the person who's suffering. What would you say to them? Like, how can we walk along someone struggling um, and through suffering well? How can we love well in that? Stop saying all the all the stuff that you normally say, it'll be okay. This too will pass. You have no idea that Mm. it'll ever be okay. You have no idea that this will pass. Uh, What the best thing to say to a person is you, by the blood of Christ, are free to be as honest as you need to be about the struggle that you're facing as you're going through something you didn't want to go through. Listen, if you hate God for a moment, Jesus died for that. Yes. If you don't want to read your Bible, Jesus died for that. You can take that to your father. Read the Psalms. How long, O oh Lord, mm-hmm. will you assault me forever? How long might, will my enemies say, where is your God? That's pretty honest talk. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think that I can make them feel better by tossing a few phrases at them. I want to welcome them that they are now able to struggle with complete candor and complete honesty. They don't have to clean themselves up. And the one that they're uh, being honest before is a sympathetic understanding high priest who is able to be touched by with the feelings of your infirmities. The word there is asanea. It's a word for weakness. It's a word for every kind of weakness. Mm. It actually could be translated the human condition. Mm. So God's not disgusted by the full, deep range of your humanness. That's what I want people to enjoy. Because how burdensome is it when I am suffering and you walk in the room and I feel like I have to act out like I'm strong in faith Mm -hmm. and, you know, praise the Lord anyway and all those platitudes, because I think that's what is required of me as a believer. It's not required of you. Mm. What's required of you is honesty before God. Come, you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
That's bring your burdens to me. Don't act like you're not burdened. How is that a good thing? So it's that, it's that welcome to being able to be absolutely honest about who you are and what you're going through in this moment and knowing that your Savior won't turn his back on you. Now, what I want to do is I want to train the people around that person to image the Savior, mm-hmm. to incarnate the Savior. Because the body of Christ is meant to be the look on his face, the tone of his voice, the touch of his hand. We're in an, an ambassadorial position. Uh, God makes his invisible grace visible by sending people of grace to give grace to people who need grace. That, that's how it works. So I want to teach the people around them to be that, to model that unstoppable, unbreakable love of Jesus for somebody who's going through suffering. I think, you know, you already mentioned, you know, a transparent pastor, someone who's from the stage being transparent and modeling that for their congregation. You also have a lot of uh, training that you streamline that churches can purchase and allow that training to come into their church and um, encourage the members that way. What's other types of ways that you would encourage churches to walk alongside, whether leadership development or how to care well for our congregations? Well, I, I think it has to begin with the leadership community. I'm writing a book on leadership right now, written to encourage spiritual health and leadership community, because the evidence is out that our leadership community is not, and the church is not spiritually healthy. Uh, if if you don't have that core leadership that is spiritually healthy, that is able to able to live with the kind of candor that we're talking about, uh, lovingly, patiently caring for, I'm convinced that our reason for lack of care is impatience. We want people to get better and get their act together more quickly than it's ever going to happen. Think of how many years between the fall of people into sin and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a picture of the patience of your Redeemer. Mm. Uh, And the fact of the matter is, if you understand progressive sanctification, people are never, ever going to not need care. So if you think you're going to get to the point where a person is going to arrive and not need care anymore, then, well, that's not going to happen. Uh, and so we're, we're in an inpatient community. So that, that community has to model that patience with one another. They have to have that kind of caring community of candor. It has to be a gospel community because it's impossible for leadership to give away to lower levels of leadership, that which they do not have themselves. The fact that we don't have them in small groups, the fact that we don't have that in other ministries of church is an indictment of leadership. Because if that were our passion, if that's what we're living, if a leader was experiencing that kind of care, transformational care, what would he think? I want everybody in the congregation to experience this rather than this being, you know, a Sunday show combined with microwavable discipleship, a a small group. So Paul, you, you are one of the most um, articulate ambassadors of the gospel Amen. and how you bring the gospel down to street level. And um, the church is very blessed by you. The biblical counseling community is very blessed by the message that you continue to bring. Um, So I'm curious, and I'm sure many of our listeners are also curious about just where are you currently in terms of your health and what's the prognosis moving forward? So I'm, um, I'm stable now. Uh, The damage from my kidneys was outside of my kidneys that appears to be taken care of. I had some tests recently. I've gotten results from that. I think I'm stable. Uh, but the result 
the long-term result is I've got a dysfunctional immune system. So I have to be very, very careful. If I get a temperature over hundred, I head to the hospital mm. and I'm going to need care right away. I have the, the equivalent of what would be chronic fatigue because of that's the number one symptom of kidney damage that I have. And that means I get about a half a day and then I'm done. So I have to make really good, be a good steward of that, that period of time. And it's, mm-hmm. it's working. I'm still being productive, still writing. I have a book coming out in the fall and I'm chapter and a half done from another book. And yes, please don't stop writing. Uh, so I've got five that have been proposed. So oh. that will be coming. Wonderful. So uh, that's good. We've changed the way we operate. And so instead of traveling as much as I did, we're doing these big live stream events. So we'll have a thousand people in the room, but we'll have people watching around the world, mm-hmm. every, every state, wow. 20, 20 countries. So you're, you're getting a massive amount of people. Mm-hmm. I'm actually hitting more people than I've ever hit just doing it, taking wow. advantage of the technology. Uh, I knew 12 years ago that the way human culture was going to communicate would change. And so we've been very active in social media. It's been very, very productive. And we have a huge amount of influences garnered because my media guy, Ben Fallon, who's mm-hmm. just brilliant and has built audience, built audience, built audience. And so in that way, it's, it's very exciting. I, there, are, there are days where it's discouraging because my mind is still, my mind is never not active, but my body is just mm-hmm. can't can't do it. Mm-hmm. But that's where you have to preach the gospel to yourself. Once again, that all the ways of the Lord are right and true. Uh, I'm not getting God's plan B. Right. It's his plan A. Mm-hmm. His only plan. Yeah. And so if you can't preach the gospel to yourself, then you have to reach out, say, I'm having a tough day, pray for me, which I'm very willing to do. But it is, I'm aware that this travail will be there till I die. Mm. And that's God's good choices for me. It's for my good his glory. I think I do get the gospel at a deep, deeper level than I've ever gotten it before. Mm. People say there's a passion in my communication that is greater than ever before. Those are, it's the fruit of this and weakness is God's work. What are some passages or scriptures that we could use to encourage others walking in affliction or suffering? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I, I just think. Obviously the whole Bible, right? Yeah, I, uh, Absolutely. I think that there's no better place to take a struggler than the Psalms. The Psalms, because of their honesty. The Psalms, uh, because of their Christology. The Psalms, because they they turn uh, cries into praise. Uh, they show that that sort of transition. The Psalms, because they do point you to eternity. There's just so much that's important to be in the worldview of a sufferer that's found in in the Psalms. I think uh, all of the in Christ passages that are developed by by the Apostle Paul and the pastoral epistles are, are really incredibly important because you want it's very I know this because it's my struggle too. It's very easy for a chronic sufferer to make suffering your identity. Mm. Suffering is a very significant human experience that should not be diminished. It's a very significant human experience. The Bible never mocks suffering, but it's not your identity. It, if you take it as your identity, it will it will hurt you. So rooting a person in identity in Christ, so the way they think about themselves is more formed vertically than horizontally, is uh, important. And then the 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 role of eternity for a sufferer, I think we've misunderstood this, is not just that someday this will all all end. When you're going through suffering, sometimes that's not very comforting. 
that sometime in the distant future, this will end Mm -hmm. because today it seems impossible to go through. What eternity says to me is if my destiny is already guaranteed, then all the grace I need along the way is also guaranteed. That's why eternity is important. Destiny defines what I get today. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because if I would be abandoned, I would never make it to eternity. Mm -hmm. So the gospel of eternity really says, you're going to make it because God will be everything he's promised to be all along the way through all the trials of life or how could you have a guaranteed destiny? It's great. He who started a good work and you will finish it to completion. Well, if I get on a bus and that company guarantees that I, it's going to take me to X, do, X uh, destination, I know that no matter how many stops we make and how many twists in the road we make, mm. everything will be taken care of along the way or we never, we never get there. That's great. That's what eternity does. Mm-hmm. And so I think we need to, we need to flesh out the way we, it is wonderful this this will all end someday, but the the Bible presents eternity as a living hope, a hope that purifies. That means it it cleanses the way that you live. Mm. Well, then it's it's arguing for the present impact of the future on the way that you live and wow. understand life. Wow, powerful. Well, I um. I mean, this is, this is an episode I think will definitely be a favorite and uh, one that we'll listen to over and over again. And mm-hmm. um, I want to respect your time. And so I really appreciate you um, being here today. And um, you can find all of Paul's books on paultrip.com. Also follow him on social media because then you can get all the, um, the end for all the, the things, the conferences that you streamline, that churches, you can purchase this and call your congregation in and plan a whole conference around. Mercy. Yeah, it's so good. Um, and then also, I get your Wednesday word. You mm. can sign up for a devotional and Paul has a Wednesday word that um, comes with this new cool logo and um, that we love <laughs> that has your uh, mustache, your awesome mustache and your collar. Yeah. And so <laughs> <laughs> and only us in here in the studio will get that joke. Um, and so anyway, uh, any other follow up uh, questions or thoughts? We just want to well, say we're, we're very grateful that you're here with us this weekend. Yeah. And I want to say that. um Two things that one, I function with just a deep sense of privilege that by a miracle of grace, these are things I get to talk about. I mean, how, mm. how amazing is that? And, you know, if, in, if people want to pray for me, the thing to pray for is that in every way possible, I would live what I teach. Mm. Mm. Uh, and I'm surely aware that it's, easier to teach than to live. Wow. That's awesome. Well, thank you. And yes, we definitely want to pray for Paul. And, you know, I actually um, tell people all the time that you're like a a spiritual father in my life. You have raised me into a woman of God and didn't even know it from a distance. And so um, I'm sure you get those types of things all the time, but just, it is such an honor for me. And it means a lot to be able to tell you, thank you for serving the Lord and using your gifts for him specifically, but then how that overflows and pours out on us. So thank you for your transparency in this book on suffering, but your limited resources that can encourage and speak into people's lives in so many different ways, not only for the counselor, the pastor, um, but just for anyone who is um, in fellowship with the Lord. So thank you for joining us again uh, on Speak the Truth and um, have a great day.